is film like milk. Yes. It's got culture in it. And it's mm, damn it. <laughs> Whole milk, skim milk, medium milk. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk Could me? Could you milk me? Hi, and welcome back to Age Like Milk, the podcast where we decide if a film has gone bad over time in the mind fridge of your mind. I am one of your hosts, Paris Herbert Taylor, and with me, because I literally have so much dirt on him that he has to show up every week, David William Rogers. Hello to you. They love me. They really love me. <laughs> they really do, David. We get a lot yes, of fan mail. Yes. I think we've had one fan mail, and it was like, David is great. I so, love a good fan mail. Love a good fan yeah. mail. So, David, welcome back to the pod. Thank we've got you. a great show today. What film are we doing this Okay, evening? so the film we are doing, if they didn't get it from my intro, because that's a Sally Fields line when she won an Oscar one year. Um, this is Soap Dish 1991, directed by Michael Hoffman, and the writing credits go to Robert Harling and Andrew Bergman. This movie has a ton of actors in it. Kathy Moriarty, Terry Hatcher, Robert Downey Jr., Sally Fields. Um, Elizabeth Shue, Whoopi Goldberg, Kevin Klein, Kathy Najim, Najimi, yeah. I believe is her name, and then Carrie Fisher. So it's pretty star studded. Yeah. And I had never seen this movie before, but I was geeking out. Totally. Because this, this feels to me like a spoof of the soap opera industry. And um, yeah, yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. So, yes, David, I had. I feel like I also hadn't seen this film. However, when I was watching it, I think parts of it were, I either watched it in film school or I watched it some way somehow, or I've seen bits of it because some of it was coming back to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But this was my first time as an adult, like properly sitting down and rewatching it. So it was your first time. Do you have a love and appreciation for soap opera? Would you say? I was never into the soap opera thing. Mm -hmm. I had friends in school that, when they were home from school sick or whatever, they'd watch it because they days grew of, up with older sisters. Their mom would watch mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, you know, their stories, they would call it. And I just never got into that. I had um, a crush on one of the actors that was in the show Las Vegas. Do you remember that show with uh, Josh Dumal? No. And she was an actor from, um, you know, soap operas. And then she got mm-hmm. her start in like, uh, you know, another TV show. But that's... I. I couldn't tell you one actor other than that from a soap <laughs> opera, right? But there's a couple in this. I think a couple of these actors started in in okay. soaps. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. I mean, in Australia, there's two major exports. One is like natural resources. And then the second one is Neighbors and Home and Away. If you live in the UK, those two shows are incredibly popular. If you know a singer by the name of Kylie Minogue, she was on that show, I believe. Um, I believe the Hemsworth brothers were on that show. One of them, I forget. They're so interchangeable. They both like take place <laughs> at beaches and it's sexy people and the drama is like, you know, oh no, he ran over my <laughs> azaleas. I don't, I don't really know. You I get haven't. The gasps. Yeah, you get the gasps. The and then the camera sweeps into the bouffant hair. So yeah, so David. I think it's my turn to do the synopsis, but because you yeah. hadn't seen it before, I think you should just give us a Oh, rundown. no, because as I was watching it, I was like, oh, Paris is going to do this. Thank God. Okay, I <laughs> but, can do uh, it. I mean, I'll, I'll rock with it. Okay. Go, go so, <laughs> Hold on, let me get this. Let me get these lost together. All right, Soap Dish, 1991. Um, so the star, played by Sally Fields, she 
is up for like her eighth or ninth award. She just crushes it every year as Celeste Talbert. Um, she's one of the like America's sweetheart, basically. And this show is called what? As the Sun Sets, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's the star of that show. And you have this villain in Kathy Moriarty and Robert Downey Jr. who are trying to get her out of her role, trying to get her shed off the show so that Kathy Moriarty can be the star. So that's kind of where it starts. Um, you see these couple scenes of Elizabeth Shue. She plays Lori Craven. She's trying to be an extra. You don't know why. She's trying to sneak around. She seems a little like suspicious. Tra- suspicious. Yeah, trying to get into places she shouldn't be. She forces her way in as an extra. And then Kevin Klein's character as well comes back eventually and he had been on the show they killed him off he was beheaded and that's told decapitated decapitated yeah yeah, because uh and whoopi goldberg explains all that because her character rose is like the main writer on this show so it's kind of like a spoof of all the soap operas Mm -hmm. and as they get farther into it um you find out that sally field um daughter is actually elizabeth shoe and you don't know that until they're <laughs> elizabeth is about to kiss calvin um kevin klein, klein. yeah who and is her sally, father who is her father exactly so sally field freaks out on this live episode and or actually they're they're like cut right they're not not a live episode yet but um it's being recorded and she's freaking out she's like you can't kiss him and elizabeth's like no i can kiss whoever i want no you can't because he's your father i'm your mother i made up a story uh, about having a twin sister and that she died and we gave you to grandma to raise and i was pretending to be your aunt this whole time so like that comes up kevin klein's character finds out too he's like i don't know how to be a dad they like rehearse lines on what he should say when he's speaking to his (laughs) newfound daughter and then they do this live episode where they're supposed to go off the teleprompter, but um, Kevin Klein's character doesn't wear glasses, which he needs. So he starts messing up all the lines. It's a hilarious scene. And they kind of go off it and um, they become a family kind of in that moment. And then they out Kathy Moriarty's character, um, Montana Moorhead, for event. You know, she was a man beforehand. And you get like that soap opera kind of gasp. And yeah. Uh, and then yeah. everything so it's basically ends like well. it's like when life is you know as dramatic as this soap opera yeah show. yeah it's it's, it's kind of over yeah. the top and sally field to me just i couldn't keep my eyes off her yeah my attention amazing. she is so good and i was gonna say the same about Whoopi goldberg i felt like yeah, every, she's, every, she's fantastic every performance in this but yeah. uh it's a great movie if you mm-hmm. haven't seen it it is a lot of fun um but we will discuss because i feel like that ending was a, yeah question mark but um before we get too far into it let's introduce yeah. our guest david we have a guest joining us jose cabrera hello and welcome to the show hi guys hey what's up nice to be here we're, we're glad to have you so i have jose's uh bio in front of me so he was born in new york but raised in la since the age of eight he went to cal state long beach and majored in film and tv started working as one of jerry bruckheim's assistants during the armageddon slash pearl harbor years and then after that, he's worked in production offices and on set in a couple of movies, did a bit of post-production, worked in casting on a couple of features like Black Hawk Down, Man on Fire, uh, then went on to work as a director's assistant for four years, including a feature, Guess Who?, and a bunch of pilots. And then he's been in his current job for about 14 years now. He works for Howard Gordon, 
Um, started off on 24, Homeland and other TV shows, um, and including one coming out in the fall in 2022. He's married. He loves rollerblading. He does volleyball. He does it all. Jose, welcome to the show. Thanks again for joining us. So before we dive too much into the movie, let's talk a little bit about how you got into the film business. We love to give our listeners a little insight into this Hollywood show business, which we are discussing in the film as well. Yeah, of course. Um, So back in the day where they never paid anybody, Mm -hmm. including interns, Mm -hmm. I was an intern um, actually at Jerry Bruckheimer back when they were still together. He had a partner Mm -hmm. named Don Simpson. Mm -hmm. And through school... Um, you know, they set you up with internships and I went out and just literally what interns probably still do, like photocopy scripts, organize things on shelves, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, get thing, you know, get lunch from one place to the other. Like we used to be on the Disney lot, um, and they would say, Hey, we, we ordered some food over at the commissary. Can you go get it? Be like, yeah, sure. You'd be like, I'm so glad I'm studying film because this is really tough. This is so, this is exactly what they taught me, (laughs) but it was, it was cool because you got to be around like them actually making these movies. And so you'd overhear things and they'd talk about stuff from the production, from the set um, and it was, and then you were always, you said all, you would always get to, also, you would also get to read the stuff that was in development. So when I was an intern, it was like reading, you know, Hey, there's a movie we're going to make called Armageddon about, mm-hmm. um, you know, oil, oil drillers who were sent to an asteroid and you're like, what? <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure, sure. Um, and then, um, when my internship was over, I, you know, uh, took off for a while and then over her, like they had somebody who was leaving, like a PA who was the office PA and was leaving. And they said, do you want to do this? And I said, yes, cause I need a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and the rest is like literally history. Like I was in office, I was a PA back then they called them runners because mm-hmm. it was basically taking one thing. From running it to another location. Running it to another location. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, and that was great. And then um, soon after, uh, I was doing that like probably less than a year. And then one of Jerry's assistants um, left. And sort of it was one of those things of like, you know, just move up the chain. Yeah. And and I was like, yeah, I want to, I could do that. <laughs> and then, uh, and that was, and then that was more doing things for Jerry. Like he would write like, uh, letters to people. He did that. He, I don't know. It's nice still of him. Does that, but um, like not hand, you know, not like those handwritten notes, but like when there's like fan mail or mm-hmm. like some kind of like business stuff, or sometimes a lot of times he would get, you know, people would hit him up for charities and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it was basically like, you know, typing up, "Hey, thanks for thinking of me." I'm unable to do that, or I am able to do that, or mm-hmm. here's what I can contribute, and blah, 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 you know, and you you type it all up, and you show it to Jerry, and he's like, okay, cool, and then he signs it, and <laughs> you mail it off. <laughs> um, and then like, other things. I am leaving my entire fortune to Jose Cabrera. Yeah. Can you just sign this? Don't read it. Just sign here's, it. Yeah. Here's some checks you need to sign. And yeah. Name one. And this was the, the kid's name is Cash. It's actually just Cash. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that actually leads me to one thing I wanted to talk about this film, Soap Dish, which I'm so glad you chose it for us, Jose. But uh, it's very immediately like noticeable that there is a lack of technology, right? Like uh, this film is definitely early 90s. Like you've got the tabloids. I feel like now celebrities, you know, there's less places for them to hide because everything is on social media and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. This was, this was the era of like the megastar that you waited outside the front of the studio. Like, did you guys notice all the little um, autograph books that they would get, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like not, not even a picture. She's just, I, I remember having an autograph book where it was like someone scribble and you're like, who, what is this? Like <laughs> you had to like write the, the person's name underneath the scribble. Yeah. So yeah. you know who's it was. So yeah, that was immediately obvious. These giant sets, which I feel like TV sets are still, you know, big like that. But there is one comment that one of the executives makes and he's like, that fucking wave machine costs like $100,000. Yeah. It's in the background of every scene. Yeah. It's just going. Yeah. Which is pretty funny. I caught that after, like a couple scenes after he said that I actually saw it. And then yeah. what, did he, what did he say he likes? He likes peppy and cheap. Peppy and cheap. Peppy and cheap. Peppy and this, and cheap. And it was depressing and expensive. Yeah. Which is what, I hate but, depressing and expensive. So basically, and so basically we get into this film and yeah, Sally Fields' character has been doing the job way too long, clearly. Like she's a, she's a legend, but then there's all these younger actresses like Terry Hatchett um, nipping at her heels, you know, like ready to be the next, next big thing. And that's when her niece enters and she's like this ingenue. Um, and she gets the job by basically bursting into the casting room and just like bl- like blocking the door. That was something I noticed right away. So we're throwing some sexual casting couch things into the movie, but it's reversed. It's the woman yeah. telling telling the, the guy, guy to take, take off his shirt, shirt, and then she's, and she's zooming Carrie in Fisher's, on his abs. Terry Fisher, um, and then she's mm-hmm. pulling up her underwear when mm-hmm. um, I forget who walks in after. It's the, I think it's, it's the Robert niece. Downey Jr. No, it's not. It's the, oh, the yeah, she yeah, yeah. person. Yeah. Yeah. And then she's like, oh. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. We, lo- we love a good Hollywood casting couch joke. Definitely not done and dusted. But is it different because it's a, a woman? It's a lady. Yeah. She's having ground take- here. She's taking advantage of the man. <laughs> but yeah, so I love in the film, it sort of opens on this like young gun, young gun executive, a very young Robert Downey Jr., and he's basically, yeah, trying to get laid with uh, Montana Moorhead, which is such a great soap opera name. <laughs> and so, yeah, they're trying to sabotage Sally Fields. And right away, one thing I noticed, I was like, okay, so sleeping your way to the top, like that's a trope that we're employing in this one. This, I mean, I guess it's like a soap and everybody's like really attractive, but there's a lot of like sexual tension yeah. in the background. I mean, this. when... Kevin Klein shows up. Terry Hatcher's like, yeah, my tits are way better or whatever. Oh, he says you have beautiful eyes. Yeah, yeah. And then she's like, come see me sometime. So yeah. I don't know. As, as this movie started, I'm like, oh, what am I getting into? Like, that's like red flag, red flag, red flag. But then mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a minute. This is kind of like a comedy poking fun yes. at soap operas. So, yeah, it's going to be over and the top. And the entertainment industry in general. In general, I feel yeah. Like it's, yeah. 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 It's making... The, um, I was looking at the credit because you see like when they're having that big network meeting at the beginning and they start off with those three nitwick executives, that's what the they're credited as. <laughs> nitwick <laughs> executives. And it's um, Ben Stein is one yeah, of them. Yeah, one of them. Um, I saw that. Willie Garson, who later is Stanford yes, on Sex and in the Sex City. And the City. And he just recently passed away. Yeah. This is like the third or fourth movie where he's had like a weird cameo that yeah. we've covered, which is so funny. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then, yeah, they, I, those nitwit executives, like they do just kind of remind me of like people that you meet in meetings who they have such a strong opinion and then like somebody pushes back and they're like, no, you're totally right. And they immediately yeah, like flip flop. Yeah, yeah. They're, uh, I'm looking at the uh, cast list. They're all nitwit executive, nitwit executive. <laughs> like That's what they're listed as too on IMDb. I agree with you, David. Coming into this movie, I was like, oh, red flag, red flag. But then as it progresses, you realize that it's actually trying to make a commentary about... Yeah. The about the industry and, and the soap industry yeah. even yeah i don't know even the way he chooses so the girl like busts into so uh what's her name uh laurie craven the niece so in the in the movie she bursts into the casting and he literally the executive literally calls up to casting at the same moment that she's standing in the office and she's like these homeless people are too depressing like <laughs> let's get some more attractive homeless people and so that's how she gets the gig it's like she's in the right place at the right time but mm-hmm. also hollywood is terrible and these <laughs> poor people who are there to work are just not attractive enough like mm-hmm. let's replace them right yeah. so things like that that were hilarious yeah. uh once once you got into it but in the beginning it was like and on top of that we also have this parallel story which is the kevin klein character joseph anderson mm-hmm. he's at this weird club in, in florida. florida yeah the it's, tropical dinner theater he's doing yeah. death of a salesman for like 85 <laughs> year olds and at first you're like who how does this guy relate you know are we seeing the highs and the lows of like hollywood and then as the movie kind of the threads of these stories blend together yes you realize that he and our main actress were romantically entangled and she had him kicked off the show. And now mm-hmm. this is how terrible yeah. his acting life is. When she got pregnant and she... Well, we don't find that out until yeah, the end. Yeah, until the end, but yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, and I thought he was hilarious. He's, yeah. he's such a great actor. He's so funny. Yeah, not to be creepy, but when he got undressed in one scene, I was like, man, these 90s guys could get it. Oh, you know, really? Like he, okay. I thought he was super hot in this movie. I don't Is know. Is it more charming, though? Because it's not like he's Maybe. jacked or anything. It's... No, I mean, this. these were the body types I remember seeing. You know, when I was a kid, yeah. the, you know, these are the types of leading men that we had. And we've d- had this discussion, David. Like, I think films in the 80s and 90s, like, you didn't have to be super perfect. Like, we just recently did um, Jose Bivoli, uh, Troop Beverly, Beverly Hills. Hills yeah. And mm. Shelley Long did not have the most perfect white teeth. Like that would never be allowed to fly now. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can have kind of messed up teeth. Like there are certain actors, I think particularly British ones who don't go and get like the full veneers, but everybody's got like a pretty nice smile. Yeah. 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 You wouldn't get away with like Shelley Long's sort of brown, smokery teeth. I mean, Um, she's hanging out in bars and all those seasons of Cheers. That's right. I'll do a number on your teeth. But yeah, no, I mean, I thought he was really hot in this. I thought, again, but it's like a diversity of attractiveness. You know, you've got like the big hair and then you've got like, I don't know. It was just like a different range of body types. Jose, why why did you pick this film? What did you like? Um, What jumped out at you when you're thinking about this? Well, I remember, I remember I enjoyed it from when I saw it. And I, I think I've only seen it twice. Before or once before even watching it, you know, just now. Um, And I thought, you know, I was like, well, here's a movie that I remember being like fun. You know, all the things we've just said that are like kind of like troublesome and like, wow, I can't believe they did that. But it's but it's also, you know, like a commentary or parody of the entertainment business. Yeah. So um, I thought it'd be interesting to just, you know, talk about it and, and whether you know, it's still like that. It's almost, it's almost weird to be like, 
oh, it can't still be like that. But then you're like, Mm. Well, we've come a long way in some ways, but then I thought there was some, you know, similarities to like certain meetings I've been in and stuff. I will say what this movie has that a lot of films don't have from this era. David, do you know what I'm going to say? Woman of color in a position of power with lines because writer with Whoopi head writer. I mean, okay, she was the only woman of color in the room, and I looked. I always look at whenever there's like a board meeting, like we did Scrooged. And there's like, they have like a token person of color, but like no women, all the women were like secretaries. And that was just like, so Mm -hmm. normal in this one, you've got the Carrie Fisher character. Who's clearly the head of her department. Then you've Mm -hmm. got Whoopi Mm -hmm. and then the rest are white guys like today, pretty much. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, I hope not, but you know, but like Whoopi was such a strong character. I found her to be so effervescent in this film. I loved her comedy. I was just like, Man, I want more. Like, we should do more Whoopi Goldberg um, movies, David. I think. Yeah. I don't. I don't Sister know much. Act. I don't know much about like her Ghost. view and the politics. I think she's become kind of like a little bit out of touch with her some of her ideas. I don't know. She's gotten old. Yeah, <laughs> but everybody... I mean, she's got what is it like the egot? She's got the yeah. Egot. She's an egot. Yeah. So. Is she? Yeah. That. Yeah. But she's so, this movie's so great, and I what I really love it as well about her character with Sally Fields' character is this female friendship that's not based on, you know, like th- okay, there's a lot of women kind of competing. So we have Montana Moorhead played by Kathy Moriarty. She's obviously coming for Sally Fields' job. Sally mm-hmm. Fields, her, what's her character name? Why am I so silly? Oh, Celeste uh, Talbot. Celeste, yeah. yeah, and then you've also got Terry Hatchett, who's kind of Hatcher, who's kind of like her little sidekick and then you've just got like Liz- Whoopi Goldberg who is this supportive friend and a couple of times the character Celeste Talbot she's like I'm just gonna quit the show and she's like you should quit the show yeah. like she doesn't she doesn't like feed into <laughs> it she's just like that tough love friend yeah and she helps her at the mall she's mm-hmm. like all right let's do you know do we need to go to the mall she's like one more time she gets fans yeah yeah to yeah. boost her up and I love the scene when after she admits that um Elizabeth, or sorry, uh, Lori is her daughter, and that Kevin Klein's character is the dad. She's like trying to go, like, oh, like feel sorry for me to each character, mm-hmm. and yeah. then she goes up to Whoopi last, and she's like, uh. <laughs> and she's like, not this time, yeah. like you fucked up. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it must be so hard. And I mean, we're meant to feel like it's so hard for Sally Field's character, so let's tell. But like, she's got this massive target on her back. You know, she's this legend, but they kind of want her to retire. But then the executives love her because she brings in the ratings. I mean, what I took away from this was that it's very lonely at the top, which we know from being in the business, you know, Mm -hmm. not always are you surrounded by people with the best interests at heart. You know, somebody wants something or whatever. Um, I did love the sexual chemistry between Kevin Klein and Sally Fields. They, you know, hadn't seen each other in 20 years. He rocks up on set. He gets his beard shaved he gets a makeover that kiss and scene it, was fantastic yeah especially <laughs> with sally field because she mm-hmm. does three different like full emotions and reactions mm-hmm. i just every little thing that she did i just couldn't take my eyes off her I, it this really like boosted her up in my eyes yeah but not only that so she ends up following 
the character of Kevin, or his name's Jeffrey, and then yeah. her niece back to his house because she's like obviously thinking that they're going to bang, which mm-hmm. would be totally incest and totally gross. <laughs> uh, so she climbs up on the fire escape to see if she's still there. But what we know, the audience, is that Laurie has left mm-hmm. and it's just um, Jeffrey alone in his yeah. apartment. But she like falls on this like drain pipe. She's going to die. <laughs> she's like two stories up. He like reluctantly helps her. Saves and then her, yeah. when they go inside, they again have this like passionate, passionate kiss where it's like, oh my God, these two like still mm. have such feelings for each other. Yeah. And then she walks off and she has like one shoe on and she walks the wrong direction and then she like walks the other direction. <laughs> and I love how she played it though because as the audience at that point, you don't know that Lori's Celeste's daughter. So you just think she's all this urgency. Being, exactly. Yeah. You think she's just, um, she Je- just jealous. wants to be with Jeffrey mm-hmm. and is jealous. Yeah. And then she has that scene where she's getting held back and finally admits it. So it's, it's great with that urgency that she carried mm-hmm. throughout that as well. It just started to spiral. I think like about 25 minutes in, it started to get like really ridiculous as the drama built mm-hmm. and it started to get really, really fun with the, mm-hmm. with us kind of like playing the game with the filmmakers where we we're like, what, what is going on here? <laughs> like, what else can we throw at these people? Yeah. yeah. Like, and it just becomes more and more like a soap opera. And it's so funny that these like, they're, they're kind of talking in these executive meetings about like, oh, well, should she be in a coma? Should she be this? And like, and then like the ridiculousness. And then they, they try to make, they tell, I think the storyline is that Montana Moorhead who plays like, she's like a nurse in the show, nurse Nan. Mm-hmm. They're like, so she's going to be the daughter of um, Kevin Klein and Sally Fields. Oh, right. And then it's like, no, but Laurie's my daughter. And then she still tries to like salvage the acting. She's like, but I'm your daughter. And they're like, get out of here. We're having a real moment. <laughs> So uh, it's I love funny the, to have the main guy, the top dude at the company, oh, the executive, the executive. What's his name? Yeah. Uh, the actor's name is Gary Marshall. Okay, yeah, yeah he's Gary hilarious. Marshall. So there was a point where he's getting real sincere after Sally Fields has like her breakdown, and he's like, "No, we need to support her and be with her, and everybody needs to jump on board for this." And he's like. And we need to milk this yeah. for everything we can. Yeah. Like he's, hum- he's human enough, but then yeah. he's like still a businessman. Still man. a businessman. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I love like, that part. Yeah. When they, at, at the, near the end, he's, when they were finally doing the, like you said, David, the scene where Kevin Klein can't read the cue card or the teleprompter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, I love this stuff. <laughs> yeah. 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 This, this is what I wanted. This yeah. is what I was asking for. And then, of course, Robert Downey Jr. as the executive, the slimy executive, is loving that it's working. And he just takes the praise, even though he's had nothing to do with it. He's mm-hmm. literally tried to ruin it at every turn. And uh, in a classic white man kind of way, he just keeps failing upwards. So good he, for him. You just go with the flow Failing sometimes. upwards. See what happens. Um, 90, I, 90% I, of the job is just showing right. up. Yeah. Just smiling and agreeing. Yeah. yeah. Just like with um, Elizabeth Shue with Laurie's character. She put that like bell person's uniform on with balloons mm-hmm. right like you said right place right time with a little bit of hustle well she was know. deliberately trying to break in I yeah think. to like yeah. sneak in to get on and then surprise her aunt, aunt. at that point which, which we think but um for robert downey jr's character they initially wanted like a 50 year old oh. and then when they got him yeah they kind of tweaked it a little bit so is this pre him becoming addicted to heroin or is this mid addiction to heroin? What do we think? Um, I'm, I think it was pre, but I'm sure he's been partying. It was probably yeah. pre-arrest. Pre-arrest, <laughs> okay. yeah, that makes for sense. sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I just couldn't get over how young he looked and how like smooth his face was. And I was like, damn, age really comes for all of us, huh? Um, Burt Reynolds turned down the lead role for this film. Oh, shit. Because of his, uh, he was married to uh, Lonnie Anderson at the time. And she told him she'd be the laughing stock in Hollywood if he did, because he had the relationship with Sally Fields at one point. Oh, so it would have been two. It would have been a meta inside of a meta inside of a meta. And this one is a mind blower right here. So Kevin Klein had to withdraw from another movie thanks to the reshoots on this one. That movie was the lead in Hook. Shut up. He was Robin almost Williams? Peter Pan. Yeah, and then the part no eventually way. went to Robin Williams. Really? Can you imagine? I mean, that's I can whole, imagine. That's a, but that's a whole other movie. Yeah, but it's funny because watching this, I was like, fuck, Kevin Klein has such comedic timing mm-hmm. i wouldn't say obviously no one can be robin williams but they have a similar like physicalness obviously robin is the mm-hmm. goat and his face is so flexible but i this movie was giving me like flashbacks to childhood movies that i'm sure kevin klein yeah. is in you know like his just like over the top voice mm-hmm. and how he randomly go loud and then he was like big and like falling over and yeah. i think yeah the There's scene where a- he's like putting his pants on in his dressing room and he's kind of like hopping around like very <laughs> physical actor yeah. mm-hmm. there's a great movie i don't know if you've ever seen it it's called i love you to death Mm-mm. that he's in and i think i want to say tracy ullman but i'm not 100 percent on that but i remember wa- seeing it as a as a kid and i thought it was the funniest thing yeah as a kid because it's basically i'm not going to ruin it for you but it's basically he's married and his wife's trying to kill him Okay. And <laughs> and and it, it's the physical the physicality comes in is like that he won't die. Like right. so they're trying all these things and he <laughs> does not die. And it's uh, it's just so so I remember I think I remember so him funny. the most vividly from a fish called Wanda. He's in that film as well, right? And my parents loved that movie. They thought it was so mm-hmm. funny. Again, a very like silly pre- premise and a very like physical action. Very physical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think all these actors like were just legends. I was grinning from ear to ear every time like a cameo person came in or like, you know, I think uh oh, the only person yeah. who didn't the only person who didn't get enough screen time in my opinion was Terry Hatcher, which I was like, "Oh my god, she was so she played such a cool character, like a little menacing side yeah, villain." That was the only she's only played a villain twice. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think um the other time was like an animated movie or a Disney movie or something like okay. that. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah this and then was she went. She was. I mean, Housewives. I know her from Lois and Superman, or yeah. Lois and Clark, or whatever that yeah. show was called. But this I remember was even that. before that. I know um, her from Housewives, obviously. Uh, what's yeah. that one? Yeah, Desperate Housewives. Desperate Housewives, and she became like you know a household name. But mm-hmm. uh, I mean, Kathy Moriarty, she has played a villain many she, times. She's a great at playing the heavy. She yeah. was the heavy in Casper. Yeah. That we did. Yeah, she's she's been a villain. She she has a really elastic yeah. face, and she's kind of got these eyebrows that like tell you everything you need to know. And that, know, like voice, this, that mm-hmm. voice, that voice, the raspy voice. Yeah. Well, that actually does lead me to the thing that I felt like this movie was so great. I was there were a couple of things like in the opening scene they're talking about. Um, well, she shouldn't be raped by this guy. She should be raped by this guy. And then at, at another point, someone sort of says something about colored guys, and it makes yeah. you raise and your Whoopi eyebrows. Whoopi goes, Whoopi's like. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I can overlook that and I can overlook, you know, many of the things that almost incest. 
And then it gets to the end of the sh- end of the movie, and the whole punchline is something that we've seen in many movies of the '90s, including like Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, mm-hmm. where it's like, and she was a guy the whole time, and it's just mm-hmm. smacks of transphobia, you know. And I I just hated that. I really hated that we pinned the entire joke and like you know what i mean like i'm curious to know i I really want to hear from some of our listeners who are in the trans community that's what i want to feel too because i didn't feel that way i was like i was like oh but then at that point i'm thinking this is just a spoof of that kind of industry right or that that genre Mm. so at that point she it it was kind of like that gasp thing wait a minute there's some other big news Right. Which, they, which happens in soap operas. And then it's like, oh, she's actually, she was a man before. And it, I don't feel like after that, it was like Ace Ventura where they had people like, you know, spitting because throwing the kids up. are throwing up. Yeah, it was yeah, just that was, like, that was, yeah, that was like way over. We this need was to do like, that movie too. Yeah, we need to invite a trans person on to like, yeah, see if. The, how they you know, feel about it. Yeah. Triggering. But like for this one, I, th- I thought it was just like, oh, that happens. She walks off. Yeah. And then, and then they show her with Robert Downey Jr. and there's still like that sexual tension. Did you catch that? Like he no, wasn't. I, I miss. I read that as him being like, "Thank God I didn't." Oh, do I thought it was kind of. He was still like kind of thinking about it. Okay. When they met each other, like in that hall. In or the whatever. hallway. Yeah, yeah. Jose, did you have a read on that um, at the end? I'm well. I saw it as like a. a I don't know how. Uh, as far as a plot device goes, it was like. She had admitted, or she had like told the tabloids that she was pregnant. That's right. By Kevin Klein. So she basically was like entrapping him yeah. with a lie. With a lie. Yeah, and then she said, "This has happened to me." This is, like, and I, I don't know why. I, I'm trying to recall why she actually did do it. I didn't know if she was trying to get rid she of was, him. Or she was trying, trying to get, get no attention. She was trying to get press because Lori was, was taking off. Right. And then all the stuff with all them being a family was yeah. all in the news. So she was trying to edge her way into it. Yeah. So it, it almost feels like in that soap opery sense of her when she's like, I'm pregnant. And they're like, well, how do we like make it so she's not pregnant? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh. I, and, and then Terry Hatcher man. was trying to get back at her for uh, thinking she slept with Kevin Klein's character. That's why she yes. had the, the yearbook and She's Terry Hatcher crying. rats her out right. to Whoopi. Yeah. I just, right. like, I just felt I mean, like, I just felt like it's a tired, it's not a tired joke, but it's very, yeah. it's a very easy, like, yeah. Oh, she was a and man. It's, I felt like it was a bit punching down. We always talk about that on the podcast. Like, and then, like, the, the older executive that we were talking about before, he's like, she's a boy. She's a boy. Like, he can't wrap his head around it. I I don't know. I just feel like it's such a misrepresentation. Like, she's a woman. And mm. maybe maybe that's me being hypersensitive to the community. But, like, you know, also it really pissed me off that those women were outing her as a, a man of, you know, male to female trans. Because it's like, it's we talk a lot about you know, outing people as being gay or whatever. Like that's, Mm -hmm. I guess you're right, Jose, in that like, in a way it feels like, oh, well, she was trying to like entrap somebody and like this is how they, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. undid that plot device. Terry wanted to get back at her. Yeah, it still made me feel But I would like to hear somebody (laughs) from that community how they felt about this because, yeah, that like stuff was going off in my head, but then I'm going back to, this being a comedy and making fun of soap operas. And that's just another gasps kind of moment. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, your father. 
oh, your sister. Yeah. Oh, oh. I just was... think the trans, I don't want to speak for the trans community. I'm not a member of that community, mm-hmm. just an ally. But like, I do feel like I'm sure it gets tiring to always be the butt of the joke. You for know sure. what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. especially mm-hmm. around this time, I think we had a lot of films that use that as like, da, 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 da. They've had a gender, re- you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like where it's just mm-hmm. like, okay, guys, maybe there was a smarter way to to wrap this movie up, but I don't know. I just, I, I get you. It's yeah. interesting. It's interesting that it didn't. Um, and also the fact that it was like clearly a female actress playing this. I think uh, it was the guy from Transparent. What's his name? The super famous actor whose name is escaping me right now. Oh, well, you should the remember. Jeffrey, guy. Jeffrey Tambor. Jeffrey Tambor. Okay. So Jeffrey Tambor, I think when he won an award for playing that character in Transparent, got up on stage and basically said, I, I'm honored, but like I hope that, you know, moving forward that we actually have trans people, you know, portraying trans mm-hmm. uh, characters. And, and I think that is also something that made me kind of like cringe a bit, but this was 1991. They definitely... We're not giving trans actors the mm. opportunities. So, so I, I think too, it's it's voice. They probably didn't have as much of a voice as they did or do now compared to the '90s, right? And we've talked about that before, like mm-hmm. people or allies publicly ha- mm. speaking up for them as well, saying like, "No, that's not right. Like, mm. fuck that. You guys shouldn't be doing that." So, I think it's getting better, even though. They they're met with like a lot of aggression and yeah the transphobia and you know people flipping out about s- stupid bathrooms shit like that but mm-hmm. uh, there are a lot of people that are like riding with them so I just think yeah the times different and you know that's one of the reasons why we do this podcast but then to your point for him winning that award um, it's that's the other tricky thing too because we've talked about this like so what actor can play what if they're just jumping into someone else's skin mm. and portraying that right okay. and then it's like if it's a comedy because he's dressed up like a woman before in arrested development but it, i think he was just trying to stay away from the police or something like that but mm. um you know the what's her name um i forget uh forget her name but she got a ton of slack because she almost played a trans character in a movie and yeah. they're like uh I'm, i can't she, blonde she's married to Colin oh, from fl- SNL. Oh, Scarlett um, Johansson. Scarlett Johansson, yeah. Oh, I don't know if you guys remember that, but she was going to play. Um, she was like pegged for like a like a trans role, and everybody came out against it, saying that yeah, that should go to a trans actor. But so that's and that's an ongoing discussion that kind of interests me because that being an actor, it's like, well, should they have a shot? But then it's like, is blackface okay? No, it's not right Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. unless it's in tropic thunder um (laughs) so it's 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 a good discussion yeah i mean and then it raises a lot of questions as well which i know like i've had with people it's like does that mean that you know straight actors can't play gay characters does that mean gay characters can't play straight characters i've been told that in acting classes before you know like uh, a gay actor saying like yeah you guys better not take any roles gay roles from uh, (laughs) stuff like that and it's like all right and it's like where so where where is this going to end up yeah so then you can only play yourself and your background right and there's also there's also a lot of discussion about that in the writing community too which is like you know if you're going to write like for example a gay character or a non-binary or a disabled character you should really work with somebody from that community to make sure that you're not no you shouldn't you You should write it and then 
if that person from that when that person from that background gets that role, they're the one that's supposed to paint that picture and build that character, mm. right? I think I disagree. I mean, it depends on, uh, it depends on what's, what you're writing about. Yeah. Like I, if, you're okay, writing, yeah I, if you're I, writing about a disabled character who has, and the story is like about family and relationships between a family, you know, then you're like, okay, figure it out on the set, wh- how, what the disability does to that. Mm-hmm. But if you're writing about a person who, say, is disabled and, you know, about their about how they like get along in the world and challenges, you know, if about uh, like specifics ex- about it, like specific things about yeah, yeah. Your disability. Then I think it's a, I think it's a, that's that a, you don't know about that you yeah. don't know about. You, I, I get right. that. I get you that. Can, but you can also research, or you can like have a discussion with somebody, or right. you can like pay them for an hour of their time to be like, "Would you mind doing a sensitivity oh, read?" Of or, course, you know. Yeah. But I, because I, I, I've also seen in line like about the discussion of like let's stop making like native characters or um you know older women of color or uh whatever pick something like these spiritual figures you know because that's mm-hmm. not necessarily that's not all i am or like let's stop like spiritual uh you know tokenizing you know the old wise chinese guy in a film and that yeah. kind of i can see where like if you're writing you know a character and they just are living their life and they also happen to be disabled so long as you are paying respect to what that would how that would impact the story mm-hmm. but if you're always writing these characters that are like in these tropes which i think this movie kind of plays makes fun of a little bit like mm-hmm. you know everybody kind of pays like a over-the-top version of themselves that's where i'm like you know the discussion about like who can play what role and who can write what i think it's about and we've always talked about this david like the respect how are they approaching yeah, it, yeah right yeah so i hear i hear what you're both saying but i'm like i think and i'm not trying to be the work police no but know? we go but we go back and forth with that though paris because yeah. we watch a movie and the the wise older chinese man if that's played by a white guy we might say that, okay, so that movie was all white instead of saying, oh, well, at least they cast an Asian person for this or the older black lady that's given some wisdom. At least they gave her, you know, a handful Mm -hmm. of lines and actually put someone of color in that movie. It's almost like it's almost like comparing something against itself. Mm -hmm. You know, like in this movie, for example, we love that Whoopi has lines and that she's a strong in a position of power however you know she's also the only you know which is so not representative of new york in the ever you know like such a multicultural history but yes compared to other movies we have done she's at least got a character name and a story movies also poking fun at right that industry that industry and that yeah in the entertainment industry you know at sometimes you do look around and there's only one person the token, yeah. the diversity who's like, spot. Who's the diversity yeah. spot or like... Like if it's a writing room, I, I definitely think that needs to be mm-hmm. with, you know, multiracial, people from different backgrounds. And I, because I listen, feel like that's going to make a better show. It's they, You see that in Fortune 500 companies, mm-hmm. boards and stuff like that, or um, higher level positions that have women, have minorities like it's statistically like it's been shown that they they do better because yeah. they're given a viewpoint of all the people that they're trying to sell to or make products for. Yeah. I they're, think we're um, also, you know, we are also poking these questions and uh, posing these questions and poking movies because we are trying to be better, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing, the goal post always moves and you again like 
I feel like some people probably listen to this podcast and like, oh, these liberal fucking shits that live in LA, you know. <laughs> but but at the same time, it's like we're asking these questions because we are thinking and we're trying to figure out, you know, how to coexist and like the world is changing. So something that we think may yeah. be still a fresh mm-hmm. movie now, if we revisit it in five years, we're like, oh shit, like that's even, you know, aged yeah. in that much time. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I think it was recently, I, I may be completely wrong about what the exact show it is but it was definitely some a creator of a tv show recently was and i want to say it was abbott elementary i don't know if you mm. guys have been watching oh that. i love that show it's amazing it's amazing but I, i'm not sure if it was quinta brunson but with the top on the topic of diversity she said sometimes it you can't not not because you don't want to but like she said this show that we're making is like a show that takes place in south philly mm-hmm there are certain people who live in South Philly mm-hmm. and there are certain people who, who don't, who you just mm-hmm. never see in South Philly. And I don't want to like make a show. And now is that, and somebody says like, well, where's your Asian? I think this was specifically about Asians, mm-hmm. but it may have been about a different um, race. Um, but she said, you don't, you're not going to just shoehorn in diversity because where, where she's like, I, this is about South Philly. I don't know that you know this is gonna work. And if you and if you do do that, then you're just like, hey, there's an Asian over there. Yeah. Yeah. Just to throw it in, we've we've just talked about that before. In. We just um, did. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and it doesn't. Yeah. And it obviously, like for something specific like that, yeah, I I get her point. But then now that we're talking about when you're talking about America, America, like Fortune 500 companies or Hollywood or or, or whatever, yes, it's it's. I think it's time for people to like you know open up their minds and see that that where we can where people are yeah. um, and where they can get to and i mean you know as well like because you know we connected through like the hollywood sort of assistant underground network which is a mm-hmm. real thing you know the way that you have diversity i mean quinta from abbott elementary for example probably wouldn't not hire an asian writer because she's oh, like you can't yeah. relate you know if, if that's the right person but unfortunately, what we're finding now is as you get to the pointy end, you know, like the showrunners and like the people in positions of power, if you don't foster people from all backgrounds at the lower level, those people cannot grow to get mm-hmm. to the top. And then what you do have is you've got like three or four female showrunners of, let's say, Asian descent, and they're fucking booked on the shows that every, you know, everybody mm-hmm. wants to work with them because they have this unique voice and blah, blah, blah. So what really we need to see is diversity from the the ground up. Oh, yeah. And, and especially in the film industry, we've we've talked about this a little bit on the show, like the the entertainment industry can be really cost prohibitive. There are certain people from certain economic backgrounds that cannot afford to take, like what you said, unpaid internships, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. I come from a very privileged background where my parents were able to lend me a little bit of money so I could move out here, paid them back. But, you know, not every family has that opportunity. They need you to start working and helping out and, you know, Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still like trying to make it you know quote unquote make it um but yeah, yeah i think i think you know it's it's raising people up from the ground and yeah i mean the stars and soap dish like on this fake sunset show they were all white <laughs> there was no actors yeah. in oh, the yeah. fake soap opera I, that I, were you know i remember watching um there's a certain point in my life where i was watching all my children uh-huh <laughs> Um, and I don't recall there being one person of color mm-hmm. on, in my memory, I mean, maybe there was like one, 
mm-hmm. but it was like it was all just like white people's yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like you could we, so we talk about this a lot on this podcast and roles that it's like yeah that person could be anyone that's just a mm-hmm. nurse bring people in for the opportunity at least if they don't win oh, yeah. it out they don't win it out but you, you can't tell me there's not some talented actors um, oh, absolutely. of, of oh, like, color that could have competed at least we didn't even talk about roles. in the fake soap opera um, the character of bolt paul J- J- johansson <laughs> oh, that yeah, could have been a, a person of color or somebody yeah. of a different race he just plays this like thick hot yeah, guy just, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, like, who she but well, by the way, at this uh, time you know yeah. they're talking about the soap opera industry and as jose just said he's it was mostly white right. people on soap operas so they at this movie they were not just going to throw that in right? no yeah. no but um yeah i mean it's a good talk guys and i think this is a great film in terms of like making fun of a lot of parts of the industry we are getting closer to the end of this podcast was there anything else that stuck out to you guys about this film that you were like oh that's interesting oh that's problematic or that's funny if this movie isn't a comedy (laughs) this movie is very problematic right Um, but since it is to me i laughed a lot watching this film and i thought that acting was just fantastic so Mm -hmm. you take you take actors that are probably dramatically trained and it just kind of can show what they can do if they got a little comic timing to them in some comedic sense because mm-hmm. for me it just adds it and I, I still just can't just thinking about Sally Field's performance I, I can't get over it mm-hmm. I'm was standing there anything, over here was there anything for you Jose um I just I I loved how funny it was I I, I remember seeing it a long time ago and I was like okay that this movie is funny I hope it's still funny like yeah. and not the fear. And not horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um that's us and... that's us revisiting every movie from like my middle school. You know, like we did She's All That and I was like, Oh my god, please don't be problematic. And guess what? It was. Yeah. So no, you know they're all they're all problematic. Um there's there was one like little tidbit. I don't know if you guys saw this in the IMDB, but the voice so after Celeste wins her award at the beginning of the movie, yeah. she gets broken up but her husband leaves her. And the way she breaks Is it up her husband her, or, her or it's boyfriend. a boyfriend? Yeah. Boyfriend. Her boyfriend. Yeah. Goes back to she, but she, she was a homewrecker. Yeah, yeah, but I know, I know goes, where Jose is going with this. She goes back to the house. <laughs> the voice on the answering machine, his voice that says, hey, I'm leaving you. I can't be with you, is Kevin Spacey. So, yeah. No way. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I was like, uh, "Oh well, that's that's problematic." That's, that's problematic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I'm glad you brought that up because I was about I was I thought about it and I was like, maybe I'm not going to throw that in the, <laughs> into this conversation. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, and see, and that's the type of thing it's where, random. like, had we yeah. but had we reviewed this movie seven years ago, we wouldn't have thought that was weird at all. But now, what we know about Kevin and how mm-hmm. pedophilic and rapey he is, yeah. we're just like. <laughs> But so, oh, luckily, boy. he's only a voice on the tape. Yeah. We yeah. never have to see him. We don't have to leave. <laughs> uh, don't have to. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, it is getting to that time of the podcast where we um, shout out someone from the cast or crew. I'll go first and give you guys time to collect your thoughts just in case you didn't. I'm going to go with Rachel M. Stanley, who was in the costume department. I think the costumes in this movie were super fun because um, she not only got to like probably work on like the stuff that they were wearing in the quote unquote like real lives within the movie, but also like the costumes in 
the soap opera was so funny. And there's even like this costume character who she was really recognizable as well. I couldn't. She was. It wasn't she. Yeah. In my uh, big fat Greek wedding. Yeah. She was. Witches. She was in Sister Act. She's hilarious. Yeah. Not witches. Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. Yes. And she plays like this kind of near do well, you know, costume person. And Sally Fields' character is like, I'm not going to wear that turban. I look 70 years old. And she's like, ah, and she's got like all these pins in her mouth. And she's so funny. Um, but anyway, so Rachel M. Stanley was in the costume department. She also worked on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which I loved as a kid. Ally McBeal, which was how I learned a lot of rude things. Um, sisters. She also worked on Love Boat, The Next Wave. She worked on... Um, Capital News, Falcon Crest, Dolly, The Kobe's, lots of different things. Um, and it looks like her last thing that she did was in 2003. She worked on the, the run of Sabrina the Teenage Wish, 67 episodes, um, which is just, again, like that's such an iconic show for me. So, Rachel, um, I don't know what you're up to now, but we see you and we appreciate see you. you. We appreciate you. Jose, you, you Jose? Jose? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to shout out, um, let me see if I pronounce this correctly, Eugenio Zanetti, okay. who is the production designer on nice. this. Nice. Um, and I just, uh, when you watch this, you're, it's all like really self-contained because most of it's on their stage, mm-hmm. uh, air quotes. Um, but when they go through the hallways and then mm. when they're on set, everything is like, they have these giant um, photographs of the mm-hmm. actors in the hallways mm-hmm. and it's just like it, it's and you're always it almost feels like they're always on like and the walls there's a lot of glass everywhere um and so you're everyone's watching and you're always under you know like people are just looking at you and yeah. it's very like soap opery kind of thing even sally fields's apartment when she comes home that was such a beautiful set mm-hmm. like the rich yeah oh yeah you could tell as soon as she walks in oh that was <laughs> another funny thing was um when Kevin Klein, so Sally Field follows Kevin Klein and, and um, Elizabeth Shue back. And when she gets into his apartment, it's like fully decorated. Mm-hmm. There's posters of him on mm-hmm. the wall. And, like, everything's <laughs> and like, he like, like just moved to New York. Like, he just moved to New yeah. York. Yeah. Like, what he's is got this? pictures of himself. He's got so a, much stuff too. Like he's got right. all those closets full of a clothes. Lot, a yeah. lot. I feel like if you just moved to a city, you're living out of like one suitcase and like a bed on the floor. But maybe <laughs> exactly. not if you're the star of a soap opera. They just set you up. They just set it up I mean, for you. But yeah, yeah awesome. I found that funny. Um, well, and then he... Um, I just quickly yeah. looked up his IMDb. He also he did after this he did like Last Action Hero Restoration, but mm. uh, one of the really good ones that I remember is What Dreams May Come. Mm. I don't know if you guys ever saw that. But yeah, he production designed that, and I was like, that movie will forever. Re- I'll always remember like the production design, the cinematography on it is is amazing. Isn't that gorgeous. a Robin Williams film? That's Robin Williams. Yeah, star. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a well, bummer movie, but it's, yeah, but it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. We don't know how to pronounce his name exactly, but you think it's Eugenio. So, Eugenio, we see you and we yes. appreciate you. Yeah, see you and we appreciate you. Who you got, David? So, I initially was going to go uh, costume department, but, you know, you, you covered it very, very well. So, I'm going to switch it up and go with Adam, or sorry, Alan Silvestri, and he was the composer. Mm. So... I just think with a movie like this, opera, 
and that adds that intensity anytime there's those big moments in opera or sorry um in soap operas and he has worked on avengers endgame the polar express captain america um, ready player one and he's doing pinocchio right now that's in post-production and he's just done a lot father of the bride three ish i didn't even know that was a movie but um <laughs> he's, he's worked on some monster movies and uh yeah alan Silvestri. We see you and we appreciate you. We see you and we appreciate you. Okay, guys. Well, it's getting to that time where we have to say goodbye. So we're grateful that Jose came on our podcast. But before we let him go, we all have to decide if this film aged like milk or if it stayed fresh. Jose, you are the guest, so I will allow you to go first. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I feel that it stayed fresh okay. because I, I'm a... a I have that that kind of thing in my mind of like if it made me laugh and it's not and it and it still makes me laugh but it's but it's not punching down and it's not mm-hmm. her, using you know stereotypes or stereotypes in a bad way obviously this is like a parody of soap operas of Hollywood of entertainment so being in the industry you're also you're also like in that and you're getting all those jokes mm-hmm. um I think it's I think it's fresh it you know it's it's you may have to sniff it just to be sure, but it's still fresh. <laughs> well, David, but, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say the same thing. I, I think it's fresh milk. Um, I wish I would have known about this movie, but watching it at this time, I laughed a ton, loved the acting. I don't know if I mentioned it, but I love Sally Fields in this movie. And I thought it was <laughs> a great. A few times. Yeah, I, oh. I would like to hear somebody from the trans community just for like my edification on, you know, how this is portrayed uh, with Kathy Moriarty's character, how they feel about it. Like, is it is it fine to, you know, some people when they watch this, is it done like okay in the um, the genre of this movie? Yeah. But uh, besides that, yeah, I, I laughed a lot. I thought this was like a really funny movie once I figured out it was a funny movie. And yeah. that's what I think it's such a funny movie because when people do films like this and it's just on that line of like, you don't know if this is real or not. And it's I just, yeah, I thought it was great. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought it was like fresh milk all the way till the very end when I discovered a layer of slime on the bottom of the cup. <laughs> I was like, you know what? This milk is so good, so funny. And then at the very end, I was like, oh, Ugh, this is making me rethink. Yeah. So that was my kind of takeaway. I agree with you guys. I think it's really funny. It does make you laugh. But again, I maybe I'm too sensitive, but I felt like hated that joke at the end. I wish... Because there's like also the credit scene is really cute. They're like dancing around at a yeah. party. I wish they just cut that like two minutes out. You know, I, and I don't then know how they didn't. They have mm. Kathy Moriarty's character. They showed the lights in Florida at that stage. Yes. She was doing the death of a salesman. Yeah, yeah she was. Moorhead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's like it was kind of like how the mighty have fallen, like the the cyclotic nature of you know mm-hmm. being an actor in this town. But yeah, I mean, I do think people should watch it. But fair warning. The ending will make you, if you're like me, will be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it, guys. That's Soap Dish. I'm so grateful that Jose helped us choose it. Um, it's always great to get someone from the industry on the podcast. He's obviously had 
a great career. You did have a podcast in the past, but you no longer have it. Is this correct? Um, I, that's true. They're still available. Yeah. And, What's it called? So people can go find it. Uh, yeah, it's called Late to the Party. Um, <laughs> great name. And, and the graphic will be like two little skulls sitting in like a movie theater. Nice. nice. Um, yeah, because there's other things called Late to the Party, believe it or not. Listen, we love a good film podcast. Well, again, yeah. thank you so much for coming on here. You're uh, welcome. We'll, we'll have for you. Me. We'll have you on again down the line. But for yeah. now, David, you should check your fridge and make sure that milk ain't spoiled. Gross milk is gross. Go watch this film. Enjoy it. Lib lab lub. <laughs> we'll see you on the next time. Oh, wow. <laughs>